Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The work of our union is the Constitution. It ordains to the president certain undeniable rights and powers. Any man or group of men who put themselves above those rights and attempt to deny those powers are also putting themselves above the Constitution. Mr. President, starring Edward Arnold. Mr. President, the man in the White House, the man chosen by his fellow citizens as our first citizen, we invite you now to become better acquainted with one of America's greatest men. These are transcribed stories of the men who have lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting, but little-known events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of Mr. President. Our Mr. President drama will begin in just a moment. Perhaps you don't believe in the kind of ghosts that are supposed to haunt houses. But there are other kinds. There are ghosts of words once spoken. Ideas once held, personalities once present. Take, for instance, a tour of our nation's capital. Here, you think, Lincoln once stood as he pondered the problems of a country at war. Even as you look, your fancy conjures up the picture of that tall, gaunt figure stooped in thought. There, you muse, sat Washington, Jefferson, Madison, and Monroe, discussing the future of the newborn nation. And as imagination takes hold... The powdered wigs and lace cuffs seem more real than reality itself. These are the memories, the all-pervasive ghosts of Washington. But for those of us who are unable to visit the Capitol, the same warm familiarity with the heroes of America's past is possible through the program Mr. President starring Edward Arnold. So listen now and see if you can name the president upon whom this episode is based. The worst military and economic upheaval in our history had at long last spent its fury. Our country had come face to face with tragedy of the severest order, and the end was not yet. The nation's leader, the man in the White House, had been struck down at the most critical possible time. The vice president who succeeded him realized the awesomeness of the responsibilities confronting him. 
One of his daughters would be his official White House hostess, and together they made a tour of the grimy, war-torn rooms. Pretty appalling, Papa. Mm, it'll take a lot of ingenuity as well as money to get it looking as it should again, Martha. Oh, just look at this table leg. Isn't that awful? Mm, it could be worse. I'll bet I could even fix that leg myself. It isn't that. It, it's just that there's so many little things like it that need tending to. Mounts up to a real job. Well, I'm sure Congress will vote an appropriation to restore it to its proper condition. The way you and Congress have been fighting like cats and dogs, I wouldn't count on it. Martha? Martha? Where are you, anyway? Well, that sounds like your brother Robert. He's back early from his ride. We're in the red room, Bob. You look over the rest of the rooms and decide what's needed. All right, I'll make out a full report. Well, Bob, how was the ride today? You're back kind of early, aren't you? I'm back early, all right, and believe me, it isn't a moment too soon. You look like a thundercloud. What on earth's the matter? Plenty. Bob, my boy, you haven't broken your promise to me, have you? About liquor? Oh, I... I stopped off at that hotel on the Georgetown Pike for a sip of ale. That's where I heard it. Heard what? Papa, they're spreading a rumor that the only reason you're in the White House is that you were in on the plot to assassinate your predecessor. What's that? Impossible. They're spreading it as the gospel truth. Who were these men? I don't know. One of them called the other Mr. Black. Robert, did this man Black or his friend mention any names you did know? Yes, sir. Huh? Who were they? Well, there was just one, Senator Sumner. Senator? Oh, no, no, I can't believe it. He may be bitterly against me politically, but he's a thorough gentleman. I could be wrong. They didn't call him senator. They just said, well, the other fellow said to this black that he'd heard it directly through Sumner's office. I hope it's another Sumner. But I certainly intend to find out. Mother, fetch my hat. The honor of your visit is as unprecedented as it is unexpected, Mr. President. Well, it's a more serious kind of honor that makes it necessary, Senator. Oh? Now, I won't mince any words. My boy Robert overheard two men spreading a rumor that I was part of the plot to kill my predecessor so I could become president. What? Wait, that's incredible. The reason I came directly to you, sir, is that one of them told the other he had the information verified straight from your office. Who was this man? Well, that's a very good question. Whoever he was, he's a confounded liar. You don't know of any such rumor? Of course not. I may be after your political scalp, but I'll never go after it in any way that's underhanded or sneaky. That's how I felt when I first heard your name in connection with this rumor. I'll do whatever I can to stifle any such lie being spread about you. That's more than decent, and I thank you, sir. We, uh... Could be friends, you know. I feel at this moment, sir, that we are. I mean political friends, even though we do represent opposing parties. If only you'd be realistic in your policy toward our recent enemies. The war is over, Senator. What they may have been recently doesn't matter. Now I'm convinced the policy of generosity and goodwill begun by the man I've succeeded is the only possible one to adopt. The people don't agree with you. You'll soon find it out, too. Our group in the Senate is strong enough to restore military government in the occupied territory, and we're going to do it. I'll veto any act that proposes such an outrage. It isn't an outrage. It's a necessity. Not only for the good of the nation, but for your own good personally as well. And what do you mean by that? I mean that your policy has got to be reversed or it may cost you your political life. My political life? Yes, sir. It's a matter that affects our whole national future. 
No man can be allowed to stand in the way. I feel exactly that strongly on the subject. Only I'd amend what you say to no group of men. You might even be arraigned, you know. What do you mean, arraigned? It's possible you'll be voted out of office by the Congress you insist is always wrong. <laughs> Never. Never in a million years. You're trying single-handed to turn back a tidal wave of public opinion, Mr. President. No one can do that. You'll be drowned in the struggle and do no purpose. Senator, I appreciate your bluntness. You're an opponent worthy of any man's mettle. I further appreciate your refusal to let our battle sink to mudslinging and vilification. But I won't end the battle because I know I'm in the right. Let me see, where did I put that rough draft? Oh, yes, here we are. Uh, this goes to the Secretary of War, Robert. Let's see what you think of it. My dear Mr. Secretary, inasmuch as you have seen fit to side consistently with the small group of congressional leaders who oppose my policy towards those we have defeated, I feel that you will agree with me your resignation from my cabinet is to the best general interest. Therefore, your resignation will be accepted immediately upon its receipt. And then just sign it. Robert, Robert, my boy. My son, my son, what's going to become of you? you, darling? No, Martha, it isn't your husband, it's your father. Oh, just a minute, Papa. Martha, honey, I, I hate to bother you like this, but Robert is... Uh... Bob, he isn't hurt. N not the way you mean, no, but he's fallen down again. He's drinking? Not at this moment. He's past the stage where he's able to. Come in and sit down, Papa. Thank you, my dear. Mama doesn't know? No, no, and she mustn't. Bob fell asleep while I was dictating some important letters to him. Poor Bob. He was all right until the war. Now you just can't rely on him. It's something inside of him. Something he wants to run away from. It'll ruin him if we, if we don't think of some way to help him, Martha. You know, it's odd. I was talking to Polly just yesterday. Her husband went through the same phase after he got out of the army. Polly told me about a doctor who seems to be a wizard with this problem. Then by all means, let's use his wizardry. I wasn't listening too closely, so I forgot his name. But I'll get it from Polly first thing tomorrow. Remember, we must be very careful, dear. If word of Bob's sickness should leak out, that click in the Senate would make a political mountain of it. Oh, but you can't keep a doctor's visit a secret. Day after tomorrow is the annual New Year's Day reception. Why not invite the specialist? In such a crowd, we can easily manage a few quiet words with him. Have you seen the new doctor yet, Martha? Not yet, Papa, but he promised he'd be here. Oh, good evening, Senator Sumner. Delighted to see you. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Good evening, Martha. Senator. And a very happy New Year to you both. The same to you, sir. I, oh, uh... excuse me, please. There's the doctor, Papa. 
I'll go and fetch him. Well, certainly, Martha, certainly. He sounds like a very interesting chap. Uh, Is this Mr. President, a new social lion on the Washington scene? Apparently, Senator. All the ladies seem to find this doctor, what's his name, a topic of endless conversation. I'd like to meet him. And, uh, speaking of conversation, I'd like an off-the-record word with you sometime, too, sir. All right, Senator. What is it this time? Retract your request for the Secretary of War to resign. Ah. Your group has too good a friend in the cabinet for you to want to lose him, huh? Put it that way if you like, but he isn't going to resign. The president has the right at all times to insist on a cabinet solidly behind his policy, Senator. You'll soon undeceive yourself on that score. We've drafted a bill making it illegal for the president to remove from office any man whose presence in that office was made with congressional approval unless Congress shall also approve of his removal. Have you indeed? Now, if you would only admit... here we are. I suppose I'd better make this very proper and formal. Mr. President, Senator Sumner, may I present Dr. J? I'm delighted to see you, Doctor. The honor is entirely mine, Mr. President. Senator, I've been an admirer of yours for a long, long time. Thank you, Doctor, but uh, this might be a dangerous place to say that so openly. Now, Senator, this isn't the arena... You and I have always confined our differences there. Yes, you're right. I wish... What was that? It came from your study, Papa. (laughs) Oh, this is probably just the cat. Excuse me, though, while I see. If you gentlemen will excuse me, I'll see if I can help my father. Certainly, Ma'am. Papa, there's only one thing that crash could have meant. No, no, Martha. I keep no liquor. (gasps) Papa. Poor Robert. Go and get the new doctor. Doctor? How long has this been going on? Ever since the war. Another casualty. Another casualty, yes. You'll help him, won't you, Dr. J? I'll do all I can, of course. That's all we ask. And, of course, I say nothing of your son's uh, problem to anyone. We're in your hands completely, Doctor. And now let's get back to the others before we miss Martha. Dr. J is in charge now. Dr. J tells me you're going to be all right. Dr. J. Dr. J for jackass. Oh, Bob. He's an absolute nitwit. I don't care what you say. Well, he's supposed to be a specialist on problems like yours. Is he, Papa? What does he know about my problems? Now, my son, I know how you feel. Miserable, both physically and mentally. Don't let's talk about it now. Was Dr. J on that battlefield... Did he see his best friend shot down before his eyes just because he got there two seconds too late to help? You you never told me just what it was, Bob. I've told you now. Eddie Miller saved my life at least three times. When he needed me, the one time I might have saved his, I had to be late. That's nothing to blame yourself for. I mean, it isn't as though you were late on purpose. I might as well have been. We'd been relieved. We were behind the lines for a break. We were called back. I was having a good run with the dice. Took two more rolls, just enough to make me too late to stand by my best friend when he needed me. But you didn't know he'd need you. I keep seeing him. I keep seeing the look on his face. 
I hate myself. Then you're the only one that does. Believe me, if your friend Eddie were here, he'd tell you the same thing. No, he wouldn't, Papa. I know. Because he is here. He's always here. Dr. J can help you correct that if you'll only let him. Dr. J talks nothing but mumbo-jumbo. He belongs with our witches in Macbeth. Bob, will you give him a fair try? If I ask you to? You know the answer to that, Papa. I'll do anything for you. Good boy. Anything but keep my promise to stop drinking, it seems. Now that's going to be a thing of the past. If only you'll cooperate with the doctor. I need you very badly, son. Now I feel worse than ever. No, no. I need your intelligence and your loyalty as my secretary. There's no one else I can trust so completely. This private war between the radicals in Congress and myself is coming to a head. I'm, I'm glad, Bob. Because you're going to win. Don't be too sure. They're as clever as they are powerful. Up till now, it's been a stalemate. But the stalemate is about to be broken. Why? What's happened? You know, of course, I asked the Secretary of War to resign. And you know he refused. Yes. Then Congress passed that Tenure of Office Act, which declares no one whose appointment they must approve can ever be removed without the same congressional approval. Which, of course, completely strips the presidency of any real appointment of powers or any power to remove unwanted officials. Naturally, my only course was to challenge the act. How did you challenge it, sir? I replaced the Secretary of War with another man and defied Congress to countermand the appointment. The Senate officially declared today that I had no authority to remove the Secretary. There's a motion in the House to have me indicted as unfit for office. They'd never dare. Hmm? It seems they have dared. They've referred their arraignment resolution to a Senate committee headed by Stevens of Pennsylvania. Stevens? That's terrible. Mm, it looks bad, all right. Bad? They'll crucify you. What can you do to nip this trumped-up business in the bud? I can be the President of the United States. I can remind the Congress in the public forum of the press that the Constitution created certain undeniable rights. The Constitution divided the government of this nation into three equal parts. The judicial, the legislative, and the executive. The power to execute and administrate the government of this country is in the hands of the President and must remain in the hands of the President because the Constitution says so. In just a moment, we'll come back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. It is said that no man is a hero to his contemporaries, and that has also been true of several of our presidents. Now, thanks to the Mr. President program, we see many of our chief executives in a clearer light. We understand something of their personal problems. President Grant, for instance, has taken a lot of criticism. The not-too-well-known facts explain his actions. Grover Cleveland has never been cited as a great national hero. But on at least one occasion, he showed unusual courage and didn't talk about it. Many books have been written about Lincoln. But you'll hear stories on Mr. President that have never before been dramatized. The Mr. President research staff is responsible for this material. Yes, it's these little-known stories and the distinguished performance of motion picture star Edward Arnold, who plays the principal role that make the Mr. President program a highly listenable series. 
And now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. Well, have you figured out yet who was president when all this happened? It really did happen, you know. The struggle between the president and the powerful segment of Congress over the Tenure of Office Act was an epic one. So bitter did it raise that the Secretary of War literally refused to give up his office by living in it day and night under guard. The president had been warned he'd be fighting for his political life, and he now found it was true. The threat to put him on trial for fitness of office became an actuality, and it looked very much as if he'd be unseated and stigmatized forever. At the height of his tension and worry over the situation, his daughter Martha roused him in the middle of the night. Papa, wake up. Wake up. Mm, what? Wake up, Papa. What's the matter? The house is on fire. What? Hurry. Hurry. I must go and get your mother. She's all right. She's out on the lawn. Toss me that rope, will you? Here. And your slippers are there by the bed. But hurry. I am, I am. How in tarnation could a fire start at this time of night? Tucker says one of the chimneys burst the flue. Mostly the damage is in the conservatory. <laughs> hurry, Papa. The conservatory? Any damage done there will be irreplaceable. There's plenty of time to worry about the damage later. Now we've got to get out of here. I'm glad Bob got your mother safely outdoors, Martha. Bob didn't help. It was Tucker. I haven't seen Bob at all. You haven't seen him? Not since Dr. J left after supper. Come on. But, Papa, we have All go- right, you go outside with the others. I'm going in here to get Bob. Bob, wake up. Come on, Bob, boy. The place is on fire. Wake up, wake up. Shake him harder, Papa. For heaven's sake, son, wake up. We've got to get out of here. Oh, I see. What's wrong? Everything. Look here under his pillow. Looks like... It's a bottle. A rum bottle. Go get Tucker, Martha. He'll have to help me get the boy out of here. There's no time for that. Here, take his shoulders. I'll get his feet. Where's your mother, honey? On the east lawn. Then we'll take Bob out the west door. Your mother mustn't see him like this. Sure you won't join me, Mr. President? No, thank you. Well, then, your help. Ah, oh, that takes the sting and nip out of the air. Uh, pray help yourself, Doctor. But to get back to my son, I don't understand what you just said. I thought I said it quite plainly, Mr. President. My fee in this case will be a political one. That's what I don't understand. I happen to agree with Senators Sumner and Stevens about the softness of your post-war policy. Mm, That's your privilege. So it is. And therefore, I feel it my duty to do all I can to persuade you to change it. Your tone of voice interests me as much as what you say. Just how would you define all you can do? Your son is in my sanatorium as a confirmed alcoholic. Go on. Must I, sir? Oh. If I don't knuckle under the Stevens in this crowd, the news will somehow leak out about Robert, is that it? And, of course, in leaking out, will be wildly exaggerated. That's about the size of it, yes. Tell me, Doctor. Yes? How many medical men are there in this country? Why, well, I really couldn't say. Five thousand, ten, fifteen. Well, what are you driving at? Whatever the actual figure, it's a sizable one, isn't it? Well, certainly. And one little pipsqueak like you, one black-hearted little toad, can besmirch the integrity of all those decent thousands? Now, you're a disgrace to the medical profession. <laughs> no. no, you're wrong as usual, Mr. President. Technically, I... I have never belonged to the medical profession. So, you're a charlatan, just as Robert said you were. 
a charlatan and a blackmailer. Calling me names may give you satisfaction, but they're a waste of time. You see, it boils down to this. How much is your son's reputation worth to you? I don't suppose there's any use at all pointing out to you what such a scandal would do to his mother. That's right. No use at all. We lost our oldest boy in the war and a son-in-law, too. Now his war experiences are costing us Robert. And you aim to capitalize on it? I'll do more than that to make the people responsible for the war pay for it. I'll do more than that to end this mollycoddling attitude of yours. More? What more is there you could do? You still haven't given me your answer, Mr. President. The decision you're asking me to make will take some thinking over. I'd like to have a talk with Senator Sumner before I let you know. Very well. But I've got to know within 24 hours. Oh, you'll know long before that, Doctor. And now do me the favor of getting out of my sight. What a ghastly thing, Mr. President. I can hardly believe any man would stoop to such a trick. Then you know nothing about it, Senator Sumner? Nothing whatsoever. I'm glad to hear it. I've already had Bob taken away from the sanatorium. Now I have this doctor prosecutor for fraud and attempted blackmail. Take my advice. Forget the attempted blackmail. He'll still be able to tear your son's reputation apart if you charge him with it. Now, had such a dirty scheme been mentioned to me, I'd have pointed out that we're going to remove you from office without the need of any such thing. You're still sure of that, are you? More so than ever. Well, you don't say it with much satisfaction. I hate having to say it at all. But your policies are hindering the post-war recovery. Since you refuse to alter them, you've got to be unseated. That does not alter my personal feelings toward you, though. And I hate to be a party to an action that I know must hurt you very deeply. Every man must follow his own conscience, Senator. My own is clear in regard to my treatment of the people we took arms against. If your conscience lets you commit the disgraceful act of indicting a president of the United States, then your conscience must bear whatever burden is the result. You see, Papa, what did I tell you? By one vote, Stevens and Sumner failed by just one vote. 35 to 19. One more vote and they'd have had the two-thirds majority they needed. But they didn't have it. You're completely vindicated. Not just me personally, Martha. Also the office I've tried to honor by executing it with fairness and justice to everyone. The president ceases to be a private citizen for the reason that the minute he assumes office, he stops being only a man and becomes a symbol as well. A symbol of the power of the people to elect anyone among them to represent them all. All elective office holders to lesser and greater degrees also symbolize this power. The president further symbolizes the trust of the public in their government's ability to accept and administer the nation's progress with foresight and sincerity. To jeopardize the right of the president to administer the office he was elected to is to jeopardize the public trust.
Well, you've probably figured out by now who the president was when all that happened. It really did happen, you know, and you'll have the answer in just a moment. Behind the pose assumed for cameras, presidents are human, too. And you'll get a greater understanding of the men who have lived in our nation's White House when you hear Edward Arnold starring in Mr. President. The Mr. President program is based on little-known stories of the man America has known as president. You'll hear the intimate details that were bypassed in epic-making headlines. Mr. President is sometimes dramatic, sometimes tragic, but always sympathetic. It's a program that removes the pedestal from our famous leaders to reveal them as they were, human beings with great understanding beneath their political veneer. So join us when we present Mr. President with Edward Arnold playing the title role every Wednesday evening over most of these ABC stations. Now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. It's certainly peaceful out here in your piazza, Mr. President. Have a cigar, Senator? Yeah, thank you. Tell me, how does it feel to be free of public responsibility for a change? I really can't tell yet. I'm still not used to the idea of being out of office. What about yourself? Oh, well, I kind of miss it. I kind of got a hankering to go back to the Senate. Then you'll do it. You really think so? Knowing you as I do, yes. It may take some time to regain public confidence after those impeachment proceedings, Andrew Johnson... But the people will eventually recognize you as a hard-working and well-intentioned, loyal American. Be with us again next week, won't you, for another interesting story that happened in Washington a few years ago to Mr. President. Until then, goodbye. Mr. President, produced and directed by Ted Toe, was created by Robert G. Jennings and written by Bernard Dougal. Heard in the cast were Charlotte Lawrence as Martha, Michael Hayes as Robert Johnson, and your narrator, Ted DeCorsia, as Senator Sumner. Our story was based on incidents in the life of President Andrew Johnson. Be sure to listen again next week when the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations bring you Edward Arnold with another interesting and factual story of Mr. President. This program came to you transcribed from Hollywood. This is ABC Radio Network.